Good everybody, my name is Elliot Waters and you're listening to the Disregulated Podcast. As always, thank you for tuning in. If you're enjoying the show, feel free to like, subscribe, give us a great rating and share it around with your mates. And you can follow me on Instagram at elliot.t.waters. So today I'm happy to announce that we are going into a new era. A alcohol-free life is now beckoning me. Finally, finally, I'm telling you, this time, this time it's going to happen. I've quit alcohol for good because all it does is make life difficult for me and we don't need any more complexity or substances making things harder than they already are. Now, I know, I know, I've said before I've quit, I know, but this time I swear it's different, I promise. Seriously, I promise, I hope. No, this is it, this is it, and I'm very, very happy about it. So I had my last drinking session, it was last weekend, and I knew it was going to be my last, so you know, I knew we would go out with a bang and probably not remember anything, which is exactly what happened. So lots of my favourite beer, VB, Victoria Bitter, was consumed, and me knowing that this was the last hurrah, this had been planned, this wasn't just like, a, oh, maybe I'll quit drinking, like this was planned, I knew that this was going to be the last night, the last start, uh, the last go at it. And I also knew that I would get absolutely obliterated, and that's that's unfortunately what happened. So much so that at some point, I slipped over during the night, bashed the back of my head on the ground and split it open, and I had to go to hospital to get the back of my head glued up. And I was seeing stars. I sort of remember that bit, but I certainly have a t-shirt that was covered in blood, that's for sure. That is evidence, if you've ever needed it, to stop drinking, Seriously. Now, it's hard because, I don't know, Australian society, it's normal to, you know, go out and have a drink. But the problem is I don't have just one, one drink. If we, if This is what usually happens. One drink's fine, two drinks fine, and then when we get to the third, it's a race to the bottom. And we have as much as we can and get absolutely blind. Now, I've said before what sort of drives a bit of this behavior. And not that I want to be pointing fingers at anybody, but my 16-year-old self, who is very influential although I'm working on fixing that, says that we have to get drunk because that means we're cool and people aren't going to rip us off. And it also says, he also says, that the more we drink, the more chance we have with the women and the more women we have, the more validated we will be and we will feel happy. Now, look, let's look at this objectively. Like, you know, I've been, yeah, ego's talking here, but I've been with a few chicks, you know, you know, I know what to do. But at the same time, like the conversion rate from deciding to drink and supposedly, you know, kissing a girl, like it's terrible. It's terrible. And the more I drink, in fact, is probably the less likely I am to be kissing a lovely girl and having a really deep conversation about life. So, you know, the the whole hypothesis that more drinking equals more chicks, which equals more validation, which equals more happiness for Elliot it just doesn't stack up. And you look again objectively at these drinking sessions over the years, and my goodness, there's breakups there, there's yelling at friends, there's fights, there's, you know, doing other things that maybe I shouldn't be doing, like breaking the law and stuff. Like, there's some bad, bad moments that have been fueled by alcohol over the years. You know, some people, I remember my uh, old boss, who is still a good friend of mine. Um, he's an old truckie and he was my operations manager when I was in a, in a job, in a transport job. And he very much is sort of, you know, he's sort of what I looked up to when it comes to work ethic and, you know, how to conduct yourself 
you know, working hard and, and, and all that great stuff, a bit of a hero of mine, um, he quit drinking. But I remember he said to me once, and it's very simple, but it's always stuck with me. He said, you know what? Some people just aren't meant to drink, you know? He's, he's a bloke, we were talking about someone, he is a bloke that just should not drink, you know? Some people just can't handle it, and that's the way it is. And he would know because he used to drink a lot. He used to fight a lot, and there are a lot of dramas um, with him when it came to drinking as well, but he's a he's like thirty years sober or something, and he's killing it. He's having the best life, and I'm I I still want to sort of aim to be very much like him in the end. So, I guess the next step, you know, I've got the whole working hard thing down pat. Then, <laughs> then why am I laughing? The next step is the no alcohol thing. Now, as I said, I know I've I've um I've said this before that I'm going to quit and all this, but I don't know. This time feels different. Again, I'm announcing it on the show because I want to be held accountable by you guys. No pressure. Um, and I know I've announced on the show before that I was quitting, but I swear to God, today, well, not today. It's it's been a week and a half since my last drink. Uh, this time though, it is different and it's going to happen because it has to. Like seriously, when I get drunk, right? Is what happens. You know, Saturday night. I go out, get obliterated, and then because, I don't know, my adrenal glands are screwed and, and I'm always running on caffeine and modafinil all week, you know, I get to the weekend and I'm really, really tired. So what happens is I push myself beyond that tired sort of, you know, headspace by having lots of caffeine, lots of modafinil, and if there's other stimulants on offer, I'll probably have some of them too to really get the party going, and then I'll go out to the wee hours of the morning and, you know, drink as much as I can and, and think, oh, woe is me, you know, I'm alone, this is this is so terrible, and then end up going home alone because who wants to hang out with someone that's, that's that depressing? And then I go home and then I regret drinking because I didn't even have a good time anyway because, to be honest, you know, the feeling of being drunk, I don't like it because I feel out of control. I do not like it. So I get home, it's like 4 a.m., 5 a.m., the birds are starting to chirp, the sun's starting to get, come up, that that depression hits, that next day depression when you hear the birds going, oh man, terrible, terrible. So that'll happen, and then I'll sleep for like two days straight, literally. My two days off, Sunday and Monday, quite often last couple of weekends, uh, I've slept for both days, and all of a sudden, boom, we're at work again, and I don't remember a thing that's happened the last couple of days. So... We need to stop doing that because I've got a lot of projects going at the moment. You know, I'm a research assistant at the university. I'm a lived experience advisor for the Black Dog Institute and Every Mine, and I've got a few other things going as well. I can't afford to have two, three days off from doing the work that I need to be doing, um, and and then thinking that everything will be fine because then the anxiety ramps up because I haven't got things done that I should have, and then. Because I'm ADHD, there's always things I've forgotten to do, and that depression gets even worse, and the stress, and it just snowballs from there. And and it takes, you know, physically these hangovers. Physically, it takes probably three days to get back to normal. Because I'm I'm old, I'm 33, so it's not like when I was 18, when it took 33 minutes to uh to get back on top. So it takes like three days physically, but mentally, I'm telling you, five to six days five to six days and all of a sudden it's Saturday again and the cycle repeats. So we can't, I can't do it anymore. I can't do, you know, six days of the week, you know, under this cloud of depression and, and super anxious. I've spoken about anxiety a couple episodes ago, alcohol fueled. I can't do that anymore. It's too hard and there's too many negative thoughts that are, 
you know, I put up these walls to stop these obsessive, intrusive thoughts coming in. But when I drink, the walls go down. When I'm hungover, the walls are down. And then all this negativity floods in. It's just, I can't believe it's taken me this long to accept my fate, the fact that I have to be sober. You know, it's, oh, even when I was younger, 18, 19, 20, the same sort of things were happening, maybe on a shorter time scale, but it was the same, same things, the same mentality of, you know, getting chicks, getting validated and drinking would help that, which it doesn't, didn't back then, it hasn't now. And it's been the same for years and years and years, but I've kept persisting for some reason because I always think, oh no, this time will be different. This time will be different, even though the last thousand times have been the same. So I'm I'm very happy and I am, and I'm almost relieved. This is why I think this time is different because of this relief. It's like, yes, I don't have to put this act on anymore that I love drinking and all this. I don't have to you know, put this pressure on myself that we've got to pick up a chick or something when we go out, you know, none of that. I'm just relieved that that stuff's going away. And this is a real, a real good sort of outcome in the sense that, you know, as I said, my 16 year old self, I've mentioned him many times before, he has, still has a lot of sway over my actions and my thoughts and everything that goes with it. But by not drinking, and choosing not to drink, this is going against the will of my 16-year-old self, and it's quite empowering, and I think this could be the start of me, you know, telling my 16-year-old self, who's just trying to protect me, he just doesn't want me to get ripped off like we used to, but this now offers the opportunity for me to say to my 16-year-old self, look, it's all good, I know you're just trying to protect me, I get it, but trust me, trust the big man, trust the 33-year-old, the self, because I reckon I've got a way that we can navigate the world, which doesn't include us getting ripped off for starters, because I'm a legend. And secondly, doesn't involve lots and lots of alcohol, which we both know is detrimental to our overall sort of life satisfaction. And I think my 16-year-old self, when I meditate on this idea and sort of, sort of, you know, tap into, tap into him and have a bit of a conversation, um, he's pretty relieved too, although very very worried that it's not going to work. But at the same time, I've convinced him, just step back. Trust me on this one. I've got it. Trust me. But thank you. Thank you. And you always thank these, these sub-personalities. Thank you for for doing what you've been doing, which is trying to protect me. I do appreciate it. My goodness, do I appreciate it. But I think we can do this a better way. Trust me. So I think this time is different. I hope this time is different. But I'm sitting here right now having a Carlton Zero, which is a zero alcohol beer. Uh, if there's any representatives from Carlton United Breweries or Asahi Beverages who are listening, um, I'm more than happy to take some sponsorship money and Carlton Zero can be the official drink of the Disregulated podcast. So if anyone knows anyone from Carlton, please pass the message on. But yeah, having the Zero Alcohol beer, having a good time. It's Saturday night and, you know, I'm, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling good. So fingers crossed, this is it because... Oh, Man, like I said, every break, when, whenever I uh, ruminate on past relationships and breakups, alcohol is always there, front and center, always. You know, a lot of my trips to hospital have been fueled by alcohol, like, you know, splitting my head open and then to, to get glued the other week. Like, that was embarrassing. That was embarrassing. You know, it was, it was, and it wasn't a fun experience, you know, waiting in emergency for ages and the back of your head's bleeding and you're just thinking, what an idiot. You know, so I don't, I don't want those moments anymore. I don't, you know, I've got a pretty good, I've had a pretty good career at drinking. I've got some great stories and I can 
you know, I can, this is probably the ego talking, but, you know, I've got stories that will go up against anyone's, you know, because we're cool, 16-year-old self says, because we're cool. And, you know, I'm happy, though, to, to retire. This is it. No more. Um, you know, this is a big step. And as I said, I'm pretty confident this might work out because of this whole feeling of relief. You know, it's like a weight is off my shoulders and I'm really accepting of the fact that there is hopefully no alcohol in my story moving forward. I, I did. There is one one disclaimer. I have acknowledged that when I get married, <laughs> when I get married, by the way, any uh, listeners who who would like to hear more of my story and a female and single and about my age, feel free to let me know. No, but but I have said, and, and I think this is true, hopefully I get this opportunity, but if I get married, I will have a drink to toast the marriage. But other than that, that's it. That's it. We're done. And my goodness, does it feel good. Anyway, let me just have a quick sip of Carlton Zero. Oh, it tastes like real beer. Um, so Carlton, please come aboard and support the show. All right. Thank you, everybody. I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep this updated on this whole non-drinking thing. I know I've said before that I've stopped drinking. I even forgot that I even said it and I went back and randomly listened to one of the episodes, which I very rarely do because I hate the sound of my own voice. And I was saying in it how I've quit drinking and all this stuff and the first test and how I passed the first test. Well, it's that again, but I'm telling you, I'm even more committed this time. So yeah, I'm going to let you know all the way how the non-drinking is going because, like I said, I need to be held accountable. And you guys, no pressure, are going to be holding me accountable. And I thank you for that. Also on my side is the fact that, okay, so let me try and explain this. Often, very often, if someone is an alcoholic, they tend to hang around other people that are also alcoholics or drink a lot. Now, the good news is, my sort of friends group aren't really big drinkers. I was always the one out in front having double than everybody else. So I am lucky in the sense that a lot of my friends, you know, we're friends irrespective of drinking or not. So it's not like, you know, all my mates hang out at the pub and that's where I see them and that's the only place that I see them and we, we bond over drinking. Thankfully, I don't have that problem, which is awesome. But that is a huge part of why alcoholics find it very difficult to quit because you're not just quitting the alcohol, you're also removing yourself from your large drinking friends group. And it can be very isolating and a lot of people report being bored and, all you know, people don't want to lose their friends. So often they drift back in and drink again. But I'm lucky enough that in my sort of setting, a lot of my friends don't drink anyway. So that's good. The, the biggest, I'll tell you now though, the biggest sort of issue where it's going to come up is is the dating world you know everything everything's got to do with the dating world for me at the moment it's really annoying um but it's true because you know often if you're on tinder or whatever you say hey do you want to catch up for a drink um and you know i can still drink it's just not alcohol and people i'm sure i haven't actually tested this theory but we'll see people will say oh you know well oh you don't drink oh you know which i feel that that'll make me seem weird maybe i don't know um, they were like, oh, you don't drink. You know, why is it that you don't drink? And then what do I do? I've got to tell the truth. It's because I'm an absolute menace on the drink. That's why. An absolute demon. So I don't drink. And But that, you know, I think would scare people off a little bit. But I don't know what to do. I've got to, you know, I can't pretend to be drinking when I'm not, you know, order a Coke and say there's Jack Daniels in it or something. Like, I can't do that. I'm not, you know, you know me. I'm very honest and, and you know, truthful. 
So that is out of the question. But what do I do? I don't know. I'm going to have to uh, investigate this and, and get a bit of trial and error. But yeah, that is one of my big concerns is that I, I won't be drinking on dates or whatever where the expectation is that you are. And I will have to explain the reasons as to why I'm not. And some of those reasons aren't really attractive. I'll say that, not really attractive. The other thing is too, alcohol is, you know, social lubricant. Now, for someone like me with social anxiety disorder and Asperger's or high-functioning autism, level one, you know, social conversations, especially with people that we don't know very well, are very, very difficult. And one of the biggest traits of my autism is the lack of eye contact. Now, when I drink, my ability to make eye contact, for example, improves. And I get very self-conscious about the fact that I don't make much eye contact because I keep thinking that the other person must be thinking, what's the go with this guy? You know, why is he not looking at me? This is weird. So I get very self-conscious about that. And alcohol in the past has worked as far as sort of knocking down a few of those social barriers, those social sort of behaviors that inhibit um, the ability to connect with someone, I suppose. So I'm going to have to learn. I'm gonna, I don't know. I'm just gonna have, I haven't looked into this yet, but I'm going to have to do that very soon. I'm going to have to learn and, and somehow figure out how to make eye contact with people without looking like a weirdo and without the help of alcohol. It's going to be hard. And, and even, you know, it's going to be hard talking, just talking to people in general that I don't know particularly well because you can sort of hide behind the alcohol a little bit. But there's no hiding now. I'm, I'm on show. This is me, and I have to find a way somehow to be able to converse with people that maybe I've met for the first time uh, in, in a way that's appropriate without the help of alcohol. So it's going to be hard. Alcohol for me, it's not, it, wasn't, it wasn't just about getting obliterated. It, that was a big part of it. But it also had a, a certain utility to it, which was to help improve these social interactions. And... You know, it was also, I used it as a bit of an excuse. If I said something a bit outrageous, which I'm prone to do, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, uh, the alcohol, eh? Hey, isn't it difficult, eh? Makes you say all these silly things. You know, I don't have that sort of excuse anymore. Whatever I say is whatever I'm thinking or, or you know, whatever I feel like I should say. And there's no excuses. It's me. That's not a huge problem because I don't say too many stupid things. And most of the time, if I do say something stupid, it's because of the alcohol, but you know what I mean? I don't sort of have that safety net that, oh, you know, so I must have drank a bit much. <laughs> you know, there's none of that anymore. So, man, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard. And I need to sort, I guess, do I, I've been thinking too, do I need to find a replacement for this? You know, do I need to replace this with some other substance? And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that that's probably not a good idea. So I'm not going to do that. But that's it. You know, that there'll be a void there now that I need to cover up with, whatever it is to cover it up, you know, good behaviors and getting used to not drinking and acting in a way that's that's acceptable even without drinking, which, as I said, I think will actually be easier because usually when I act in a way that is unacceptable, it's because of the alcohol. But anyway, so that's the story. That's the story, Morning Glory. We're quitting the booze, finally, finally quitting the booze, but there's a few questions moving forward. There's a few anxieties there because I'm not completely sure how this is going to play out. I'm, I'm almost certain now that this is going to stick, and that's great. But, you know, there's a few little issues that might come up that I'm going to have to work out, but I think in the long run, there is no question at all. This will be, I'll look back and think, man, that was a great, great decision. So, 
All right, we're into it now. You guys keep me accountable and I'll keep you as updated on how I go. All right, thank you everybody for listening. I do appreciate it. If you want to contact me, you can at Instagram at elliot.t.waters. If you want to support the show financially, you can do so at patreon.com forward slash Elliot Waters. Okay, thank you for listening as always, and I'll see you next time here on the Dysregulated Podcast.